The Hamlet Podcast, episode 138. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. It feels like it's been years since we began Act 4 of the play, but actually it's only been about six months. Although this year has knocked time out of joint like few others I can remember. Anyway, here we are at the beginning of scene seven, the last scene of Act 4. After the brief interlude with Horatio and the pirates, we return to the darker business of Claudius and Laertes, who march into another room of the castle in mid-conversation. Their previous scene ended with Claudius encouraging the younger man to round up his wisest friends and let them judge whether Claudius is telling the truth. Laertes doesn't seem to have taken him up on the offer, as they enter alone, with Claudius reaching the conclusion of his argument. Now must your conscience my acquittance seal, and you must put me in your heart for friend, sith you have heard, and with a knowing ear, that he which hath your noble father slain pursued my life. This is enough for us to understand how Claudius laid out his case. Even this much shows us exactly how he's operating. He's telling Laertes to act with his conscience, always a clever and elastic manipulation to get someone to agree with you. Laertes's conscience must agree that Claudius is innocent. It must his acquittance seal. And you must put me in your heart for friend. He has to let Claudius in and be his friend or ally, not least because the same man that killed Laertes' father was trying to kill Claudius too. This is really interesting to me as an argument. We in the audience know that Hamlet thought he was killing Claudius behind the curtain. Back in Act 4, Scene 1, as Gertrude described what happened, Claudius mused that it had been so with us had we been there. Now, Claudius isn't wrong. Hamlet absolutely would have tried to kill him. But what makes Claudius decide that Hamlet is after him? Gertrude doesn't disagree, but it's not like she told him. She promised Hamlet that she wouldn't discuss the matter. I suppose we are reaching the climax of the play now, and the gloves are off. This death match is coming into focus. Hamlet must kill Claudius, or Claudius will kill him. The manipulation never seems to stop with the king. Even as he's announcing that Hamlet is a would-be regicide, he's flattering Laertes. Sith you have heard, and with a knowing ear as I'm sure you've already heard, and of course you understand. You have a knowing or receptive ear. It's almost like neurolinguistic programming 400 years before it became a thing. To show that Laertes is indeed receptive and thinking along similar lines, Shakespeare lets him finish the line of verse, agreeing with the king. So the whole rhythm of it goes something like this. That he which hath your noble father slain pursued my life. It well appears, but tell me, why you proceeded not against these feats, so crimeful and so capital in nature, as by your safety, greatness, wisdom, all things else, you mainly were stirred up? Laertes is rather calmer now than he was in the previous scene, and he's asking a very logical question. Why on earth hasn't Claudius had Hamlet arrested and proceeded against these feats of his that are so crimeful and so capital in nature? Some editions go with criminal instead of crimeful, but I think the latter is a much more enjoyable word. 
Laertes is pointing out that Hamlet has committed a very serious crime in killing his father, a capital offence. Surely, Laertes argues, since it was a threat to his safety, greatness, wisdom, everything, it'd make total sense for Claudius to arrest this murderous prince. So why hasn't he? Oh, for two special reasons, which may to you perhaps seem much unsinewed, but yet to me they are strong. The queen his mother lives almost by his looks, and for myself, my virtue or my plague, be it either which, she's so conjunctive to my life and soul, that as the star moves not but in his sphere, I could not but by her. The other motive, why to a public count I might not go, is the great love the general gender bear him, who, dipping all his faults in their affection, would, like the spring that turneth wood to stone, convert his jives to graces, so that my arrows, too slightly timbered for so loud a wind, would have reverted to my bow again, and not where I had aimed them. So the king has two reasons for his behaviour. He acknowledges that they may seem weak or unsinewed to Laertes, but that they are strong motivations for him. The first reason is Gertrude. The queen his mother lives almost by his looks. The queen is devoted to Hamlet. And as for Claudius, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, a virtue or a plague, as he puts it, he can't live without her. So if he attacks Hamlet, he fears he will lose Gertrude. We don't necessarily have to believe every word Claudius says, but it's quite nice to imagine that he loves her. He describes himself as a planet in her orbit. She's so conjunctive to my life and soul that as the star moves not but in his sphere, I could not but by her. Claudius is using astronomical language here, describing the conjuncts of the heavenly bodies, which is a nice play on words that also describes any two things joined together like husband and wife, for example. He's referring to the old-fashioned notion of astronomy, how the stars and planets revolved around the Earth in their spheres. Gertrude is his world, his planet, and he's merely in her orbit. He's also the king and could justifiably arrest a murderer, but it's interesting that Claudius blames the family bond for his inaction. And who knows? Maybe it's actually true. The other motive is far more political. The other motive, why to a public count I might not go, is the great love the general gender bear him. He won't take this murder case to a public account or a trial, because the general public loves Hamlet. He's loved of the distracted multitude, remember. Claudius seems very aware that the public prefers the prince. This general gender, who, dipping all his faults in their affection, would, like the spring that turneth wood to stone, convert his jives to graces, so that my arrows, too lightly timbered for so loud a wind, would have reverted to my bow again, and not where I had aimed them. That's a lot of complicated images rolled into a few lines. Claudius is basically saying that the public loves Hamlet enough that no matter how he might attack him, he's kind of untouchable. Anything he lobs towards Hamlet will come back to him before hitting the prince. He suggests that the people's love is like a spring that turneth wood to stone, something like a limestone well, perhaps, that with repeated exposure coats wood and makes it as hard as stone. 
or perhaps some kind of mythological spring, although I don't know of any such story. The people's love could turn wood to stone, making it more resilient, and indeed turn Hamlet's crimes to graces. As a result, Claudius's arrows would now be too slightly timbered, not strong enough for so loud a wind. He's piling image on image very fast here. The people's love is like a loud wind, a great shout of voices supporting Hamlet. And Claudius's arrows can't withstand such love, and so his arrows, any attack he might launch, would revert to his bow before striking where he aimed them. So basically Hamlet has the support of the people, and the fact that he did kill Polonius isn't a good enough reason to try him publicly, because the people love him and they'll probably make that killing into a public good. As we will see throughout this scene, this is exactly the kind of thing that Claudius needs to be saying to Laertes to continue carefully stoking his hatred for Hamlet. Now, we've already gone a little over the normal 20 lines for this week, so I'll save Laertes' response to all of this for the next episode. In the meantime, do be sure to check out the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for show notes that accompany every episode. It also has all the details of the various supplementary programmes on offer. There are bonus episodes, the basics, and our ongoing book club. The Hamlet Podcast is three years old this weekend, and we've just hit the milestone of 150,000 listens in 120 countries. It's always a thrill to see where in the world people are tuning in, so thank you to each and every one of you. It's a pleasure to have your company. Do be sure to have a cupcake, or three, sometime this week, and I'll speak to you next time.